Welcome to the Monster Baby Podcast. Hey, I'm Ted DeMaison. I'm Lisa Rowland. And Wait, are we the co-hosts of this thing? I, last time I checked. Okay. Okay, let's Unless check the files again. you fired me and well, hired somebody else. Let me just check the files. Yep, we are. Sound effects, courtesy of Ted DeMaison. Yeah. Uh, this is a curious romp through the worlds of mindfulness and improvisation. We pick a thing and then look at how mindfulness and improvisation uh, might offer some wisdom to that thing. Yeah. Today's thing is a story, a harrowing tale, harrowing tale. from Ted's experience uh, of late. Of late, last week, uh, came kind of a near-death experience. I think a near-death experience. Yeah, less near-death for me than for the other person involved, but right. it was pretty harrowing. Yeah, so... We just we sort of talk about that, and then and then peeling out the implications of that, and mm-hmm. and what it says about life, death, and the end of times. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bite-sized morsel, but it's juicy. Yeah, it's a short one. It's a short one. Juicy. So hope you enjoy it, and yeah. uh, you know, settle in and, and yeah, have we'll fun. talk to you again at, at the end. <laughs> wow. Yeah. The way we loop around. Yep. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> enjoy, people. Enjoy. <laughs> Here we are. We're here, and we're back at our little nook. A beautiful little Redwood Grove on Tuck, Stanford campus. Tucked away behind Littlefield Center and Memorial Auditorium. And yeah. This is a space. We've been here a few times. So people, yeah, when you're hearing airplanes. And birds. Be, and people walking by. And jackrabbits. You can imagine yourself immersed in the intellectual hustle and bustle of one of the nation's great universities. Wow. That's so lovely. <laughs> They're like, imagine a professor in a tweed jacket. Yes, with a pipe. And some, followed by in- inquiring students. Yeah, and some co-eds. Discussing big ideas. Co-eds in shorts and athletic Some gear. co-eds. It's uh, such but a co-eds, funny name. Co-eds, I mean, like, I meant students. both male and female. Co-educational students walking towards co-eds, the gym. Yeah. I know, usually co-eds means women. It's just such an antiquated term. Yeah, well, sometimes I'm antiquated. A couple of co-eds. <laughs> with the carrying a lacrosse stick or a softball yeah. bat. Clicking their cleats on the, <laughs> on the pavement. Anyway, if you hear all that, you uh, can imagine you're here. Water polo team, shirtless in the fountain. Wait, what? Sorry. <laughs> what? Anyway, <clears throat> here we are. That actually was true. One time I was on campus and the, they were like the water polo team or the swim team. Wow. The men's, men's swim team. And they just were like on display in the center of campus in the fountain. In the club. Drinking in, beer. Like the yeah. Bookstore. Wow. Yeah. And the I was bookstore. just like, you guys. I don't blame you. You're winning. I'm not telling you to stop. No, you're definitely not. That's really funny. I know. Okay. I never got to see that. Yeah, hang around more. Okay. <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. i got to find out their schedule. Uh, well, <laughs> I have I have a story to tell that I've been saving. Yeah, you said you had a story. It's a, uh, oh my gosh. It was, it, okay, so I do want to say that this story, uh, I feel very. I felt very vulnerable at the time, and I think it's probably going to feel vulnerable to tell it because it was it was a scary moment. Mm. But it was last weekend. <laughs> I my refrigerator died. I don't know how it died, but cause of death unknown. Cause of death unknown. The corner, the refrigerator corner, came over and could not determine. But uh, it need- stopped working, and so I like oh I. Unplugged it, plugged it back in, didn't work. And then I pressed the breaker switch, and it came back on for two seconds. And then it died. So it's dead. Stopped working. Oh. So I called Whirlpool, and they said, oh, yeah, no. 15-year-old refrigerator, you probably just need to get a new one. Don't bother repairing it. So being without a refrigerator, 
that's a pain in the butt. It mm-hmm. was Friday going into, it was Friday. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna, they can't deliver till Tuesday if I order from right. Costco or whatever. So I thought, I'll go down to Home Depot, find one. And I called my neighbor, Dan Klein. Improv great. Improv great. Teachers here at Stanford. Former Bats Company member, member of Casper Hauser, the sketch comedy group, He's brilliant teacher facilitator. Lovely guy. Lovely. And super willing and generous to help out. Mm-hmm. So I called Dan and Denison of Daly City. Yeah. He literally lives three blocks away. Yeah. So I said, hey, Dan, any chance you might be willing to help me move this refrigerator? Because if I buy it from the clearance section, I'm going to have to move it myself. Rent a truck. And I've got these straps that, you know, help you move big things and super supposed to be super easy. So great. Did somebody tell you it'll be super easy? Uh, The video. Wait, did you, did you like, YouTube search yeah, how no, to move a refrigerator? I, yeah, and I have these straps that are designed to do that. They're, like, they're called forearm straps. Yeah. And I went online, and I saw these shoulder straps, and I, like, there's these women moving refrigerators, like small women moving refrigerators. Looks great. <laughs> small women <laughs> moving refrigerators. Oh, boy. Great. So anyway, go to Home Depot. Dan meets me there. The guys at Home Depot load the fridge onto the back of the truck that we've rented. So I've got, like, 90 minutes to get this truck back to them. Drive it home. And Dan and I unload it off the truck. We're using the straps. Great. We move it over to the bottom of the stairs. Great. It's all reasonably fine. Seems like it's working. It's working fine. I can move this refrigerator. But we have to go up the stairs on the side of the house to get to the door to get to that. We got the first six steps, no problem. Okay. But then the straps start like, start losing some leverage on the straps. Like it's too high or too low. And like, okay. But now the fridge is like. Perched on a step. Yeah. And Dan is below. I'm above. Okay. And then. We're like lifting. Okay, so now uh, to get up each step, like having to move my feet, get up a few more. Now we're getting really tired. And it's like, okay, I don't know if we're going to be able to make this. And he's still below. Can you, is, and is there a way to perch the fridge such that it is stable enough to take a rest? Yeah, but not really because it's like. Because you've got to hold it up. That's right. You've got to hold it up. Because it's only a stair. And and if you're off balance a little bit, one of you is holding all the weight. Right. And if the weight comes all the way to me at the top, it's just going to start sliding down onto him. Yeah. And if it folds over onto it's, him, it's, 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 it's going to crush him. on the downside of yeah. that. Yeah. So we get up a couple more steps. And then, like, I lose the strap. <gasps> right? So the strap is now it's down by my wrist, so I have no leverage. So I need to adjust it. So I've got to hold it with my left hand, adjust the strap with my right. Oh, shit. And then I like the strap falls off, and then uh-huh. I have to, and so now I'm trying to hold it with my right hand. Oh my and god! That, yeah, and I'm like Dan, I don't know how to get the strap back on my arm. I don't because, know what to do. And if I let go, and he's like, I can't hold it. I can't hold this by my. And we were both really scared, and I was like, because the thing would crush him. It would crush him. It would have crushed him. Yeah, and if he could have gotten out of the way. It would have just splattered into a zillion pieces, yeah. which would have been a bummer, but at least he would have been alive. Yeah. But no, no he can't get out of the way because he's on the stairway. And the stairway has a wall on one side. Yeah, and a, a railing, yeah. A railing on the other. So just the stress keeps amping up and amping up, and the physical failure, like, I can't you even just grip anything cannot, with my arms. Yeah. And so there, were, there was about a minute of, of feeling like we're in over our heads. And there's nobody here to yell to, and I don't know what to do, and I really, I just don't know what to do. Yeah. And I don't know if I said a oh my prayer God, so or something. so scary. It was terrifying. So scary. But 
Did you ask Amma for help? No, I could have, and I would have, would have, and I should have. <laughs> but I, I, we did get it balanced, and we had two steps to go. Amma, by the way, dear listeners, if you'll remember, is the hugging saint who helps Ted find parking. Among other things. Yeah. As well as being, like, the one of the world's great humanitarians. Sure, sure, sure. But the parking <laughs> thing is really the... So, eventually, we're like, okay, let's hold it here, and, like, Dan, why don't you... Go, I'll hold it. You go downstairs through the garage, come up, and we'll trade places. I'll go down underneath. So at least we can use different muscle groups uh-huh. to try to yeah, get to these get last two up. steps. So, But you could hold it enough? Barely. Like, my arms are shaking, but, you could but hold I'm it holding in- the top of the fridge, uh-huh. the edge of the top of the fridge. Oh, my God. Yeah, so I'm holding the top of the edge of the fridge while he goes down, while he comes around and he comes up. I go back downstairs. And takes it from you. You go around yep. to the bottom. And so now I'm below. But now if it falls, it's going to crush me. It's going to crush you. <laughs> Which is probably better than it crushing Dan because it's my fridge and I got us into this I whole suppose, mess. I suppose so. <laughs> I guess we could think about it that way. <laughs> who do, who but, should be crushed, rightly crushed by the fridge. Right. But it, like we're like, we just got two steps to go. Can we just, we got to just, just get this done. just power through this. So we were able to get it up one more step. And then it was like, okay, we just got one last one. And I'm like, I said, all right, I'm just going to, I leaned in. You know, got my hips and my shoulders into it, and he was able to pull, and we sort of got up to the last thing. <sighs> and then and then we had to figure out how to get into the house, because we still had to turn it, rotate it, get it into the, uh, it was a mess. But I was so shaken. I, I, I literally could not use my arms. Like, lift, opening a drawer was an ordeal. Yeah. And certainly wasn't going to remove the other refrigerator. Yeah. But, like, I... When I moved, pulled the other refrigerator out from the wall to put this one in, I, like, fell down to the floor in the kitchen because I was so dizzy. I was so spent. You know? so, so you got that fridge into the house, and then you dismissed Dan. No, he, he stayed. In, we Helped you do the whole thing. We had some processing to do. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, we were both pretty shaken up. So I mean, we, like, wh- like, when was the last time that you were in a situation that you thought you might die? Or you or somebody else might die. Like I right. can't think. Like I can't think of a time when it's like I, this could be it. Well, it did bring up the time this fall. I think I've told you about this when I went back east to visit my former partner Melissa. And you and got lost. I got lost in yes, the woods in the, woods, in the rain yes. and it was cold and my phone died and I didn't know if I was going to make it out of the woods. Yeah. So I've had two times in the last three months where I've had this feeling of like crap. Oh, I'm I am in, in trouble. real trouble here. Yeah. And. So Dan and I, went, we went out and got some pizza and chatted about oh, it and processed and, you know. But I have found that this this was now, whatever, four, five days ago. It's like the vulnerability is still lingering with me. What does that feel like? It's like everything, all my sensors just feel more tender. Mm-hmm. Like any setback that happens and it's something bigger. I'm trying to get done feels like it cuts deeper. Mm. and um, the longing to just like, oh, just let me just have some comfort food or let me just hang snuggle out with up friends and, and cuddle with the get cats. Get a blanket and, and, yeah, I just want to like uh, tuck in yeah. and not need to deal with yeah. anything from the outside. And I'm, I'm well aware that I'm a sensitive beast and like my constitution, this kind of stuff happens, it stays with me for a while. Yeah. But, you know, it also brought up... Uh, thoughts about masculinity and like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to just be some he-man who could just like lift a fridge by (laughs) me big lift them fridge, you know. (laughs) And when the guys came to remove my fridge, 
by the way, I was like, screw it. I'm not messing around. I'm just, yeah. just pay. Good like, for you. Yeah. Junk that, Kings. This is reasonable. I'm spending $170. Junk Kings, come take this thing away, please. Yeah. yeah. Junk and, Kings. And there's just two guys. Yeah. And they just came and lifted take it. The, take the, take the, it's their job. They didn't have any straps. You know what? You write books and they move refrigerators. <laughs> So you so yeah. you are exercising different muscles. So much for my masculinity. They have a, they have a he man image. You're like, you yes. are, uh, you ha- you are occupying a different corner of masculinity than they are. Huh. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yes, the tweed wearing, pipe smoking <laughs> students, gaggle of students walking behind me, corner of masculinity. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. So that happened, and I think that's super intense. Yeah, I think it's also. And this is something also that I thought maybe we could talk about. It, it's happening at the same time that I'm making progress with the book. Mm-hmm. So last week, mm. finalized the cover art. I finalized the title, the subtitle, the cover art, and I got it back. And I was like, this, this is really cool. great. I I'm can't re- wait to see this in, in real so life. So excited. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait to get this to people. Yeah. And people are responding really well. And, and I think that when we take this step out... To be big, it's really vulnerable. Mm. Like, okay, I'm going to put myself. I'm getting ready to put myself out there in this completely different way. Yeah. So do you, that in itself is vulnerable. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Well, it's it's it's. Um, oh, what's that quote? Marianne Williamson, maybe. Oh yeah. We're we're. It's not. A, it's not that we're afraid we'll fail. Actually, we're afraid of our own power. We're afraid of how gloriously we might succeed and whatever. Right. Yeah, whatever it was. I mean, it's beautiful, but I. Forget what it is. Yeah, hold on a second. Yeah, here it is. Right, it's that our our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we're powerful beyond measure. It's our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? Mm. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightening about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were born your to make... Your playing small won't serve the universe. What did that say? Uh, your playing small does not serve the world. Does not serve the world. Yeah, we're born to make manifest the glory of God within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. As we let our light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we're liberated from our fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Great. Just maybe, maybe like the place where you want to shine your light is not in the refrigerator moving corner of the <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like the, when we step out that way, we're, the fears come up. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, all of a sudden, I'm exposed. Oh well, and it, it, uh, maybe we already talked about this, but it's tied to this vulnerability of 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 showing people what really matters to you. Yep. Like this is who I am. I'm yep. putting my yep. cheese out in the wind. <laughs> I mean, Roquefort, <laughs> Cabot, or Gouda. Absolutely, yeah. my cheese is in the wind yeah, at this point. Your cheese is in the wind. Yeah. So I think that it didn't surprise me that an experience that would be vulnerable in and of itself mm. sort of magnified into this, like, days-long Oh, I see. Sensitivity. So you're saying because, because it's against the backdrop of this other big vulnerable thing you're doing, the, the reverberation of it in your life is more intense. That's right. I see. So, but yeah, like you said, Dan and I, one of the things Dan and I talked about pointed to what you said, which is we're pretty comfortable in our lives now. Yeah. We don't face danger. We don't danger. risk death. And so these moments are just like so snapped into relief. So, I, so I have a question, which is, you know, a lot of people have near-death experiences, and it makes them. It is motivating, or it mm. changes their perspective somehow. Mm-hmm. And so far, what you've commented on is like, 
being like a sea anemone who's like who gets poked and mm-hmm. just pulls in mm-hmm. and is like it's not safe out there I'm staying in which I totally understand and have felt that mm-hmm. myself it, it, does it come along with any of that have you experienced any of that of the other side of that in terms of like mm. oh my god I could have died if I had died how would I feel about what I have you know that right. thing if this was your last day would you be happy with um yeah, it, I have felt a little bit of the like, okay, let's not waste time dancing with BS stuff. Mm-hmm. So like I had a little dating scenario that was disappointing the two days after, on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And was somebody I was interested in and sort of a couple things happened and she pulled away and that was a bummer. But I also was like, you know what? It's okay. Let's just it's not fine. waste time. We're not going to waste on. time. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. We're totally. moving on because, and it was partly informed by that thing mm-hmm. with the fridge, the fridge incident. The fridge. <laughs> um, the great fridge incident of 2019. Yeah, I think so. Um, but the like, I think I'm pretty good with the if I were to die. Yeah. I'm You're okay in with it. standing. Because I'm clear with my friends. I'm clear with my family. They all know that I love them because I tell them all the time. And and I finished this book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that book is big. That book is huge. Yeah, like somebody could take it and publish it now. Yeah. You know, if they just got onto my computer. Mm-hmm. So. so I, you should give me your passwords just right. in case. <laughs> yeah. I my, will. My dad has my passwords. Great. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so I think that'd be. I think I'd be okay. I'd be bummed. Well, I mean, maybe I wouldn't be bummed because I wouldn't be. I'd be like looking down, smiling, being like, "Oh, that was so <laughs> cute that he thought he was gonna be bummed." It's like he's one with the universe again. I'm one with the universe again. <laughs> that was so it's all cute good. that he thought he'd be bummed. Yeah. All those things he thought were now so important. Now he's everything now and he's everywhere, everywhere. which is so much better. But there's no way for poor mortal Ted to have known that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's clear I want to keep living. Yeah. I've, I feel like I've got some things to do, some adventures to have. Yeah. So anyway, that's my story about me and Dan. I'm so glad that Dan Klein is still alive. Oh God, both of you. I would have felt. I'm like glad that the fridge incident didn't. The world's worst person. Oh God. Just the world. So, Dan, thank you. If you're listening, Dan, your kindness is much appreciated. And <laughs> We're really glad you're still around. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you're still here. Yeah. I'm really glad, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, okay, note to the to the to those of you who might try moving appliances. <laughs> if you do it with the straps, do it with the ones that go around the shoulders. Uh-huh. So your forearms don't get tired. Uh-huh. And really have at least a third person there to I'm back I'm just going to go ahead and say, you hire someone. Hire that yeah. out. Okay. Pay someone whose yeah. job it is All right. to move refrigerators. <laughs> Somebody who knows the ins and outs. Yeah. Don't, don't, I mean, there are times when it's saving money is a good thing, and there are times when... You know, a little penny-wise pound foolish, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like 250-pound foolish or 300-pound foolish yeah. or whatever it is. Right. Jeez. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, that's that story. Good story, Ted. Have you ever had a near-death experience? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I can't remember a time that I thought, this might be it. I mean, I, I have that thought kind of a lot, like when I'm flying, and uh-huh. I'm like, well, this plane might crash. Right. Usually when there's, like, big turbulence, and it's like, you know, people in plane crashes, it probably feels like normal turbulence at first. Right. That probably feels like this. Maybe. This plane's going to go down. That's kind of like an earth, the beginning of an earthquake. Like, oh, there's a minor earthquake. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, it's not, oh, this is maybe serious. But it, but it's sort of more a thought exercise than it is an actual, mm-hmm. like, I'm, like, aware that at any moment we might die. 
as opposed to feeling, feeling like, like crap, I might die. This might be the moment of my death. Right. This is I am in touch with the fact that, I, that this might be yeah. it. I cannot remember a feeling. I can't remember feeling that way. That's, I'm glad you haven't had that. Me too. Near death experiences. I can't. Yeah, I can't remember. So, so okay. I wasn't planning to ask this question, but it seems apropos given yeah. that we're talking about it on the podcast. Here we are. Mindfulness and improv. Do they have anything to say about this situation? <laughs> <laughs> I think I, there was a, there was some really interesting mindfulness stuff that was going on in the moment. Mm. That I was I was glad for because I think that being able to say out loud, I'm really scared, helped. Mm-hmm. It like somehow disempowered it, disempowered the fear a little bit. Yeah. And, and allowed you to continue think clear, thinking that's right, clearly. A little more clearly. Yeah. Rather than just getting sucked into panic. Well, it's, <coughs> 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 well, it's like you've said before feelings just want to be seen. Yeah. And so if you name them, they can move along. Right. And you, I think you've talked about a blue sky and that these feelings and thoughts are clouds. And if you can just name them, which is why journaling is helpful, is right. like, oh, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this. Then they've been seen, and they're like, "Okay, cool," yep. and they can sort of they can sort of keep going. And I wonder if that's true, even in this in, the, in this heat of a moment where it's right. like, "Okay, I'm really scared," and then the fear is like, "Yes, you are. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, carry on." Little micro <laughs> little micro practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, there wasn't, unfortunately, <laughs> you can't say like, "Oh, my forearms have no power left in them." <laughs> And note that, and then it's like all of a sudden the power comes back, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like some Dean, right. Dungeons yeah. and Dragons There's a spell. There's physical limitation that you have yeah. that you have reached. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's scary. But it also, yeah, and so there was that. There was the noticing the feelings, but it was also a. There was a bit of a pause, like, okay, let's, like you said, can we find a spot where we can get this to a balance where we can at least think for a second, take a little bit of weight off. Yeah, and we and we so we did do that. So that too. And I get. So, yeah, I guess the improv, too, was like, well, what could we do differently? I mean, like, the what comes next, what what needs to happen. Yeah. The creative solution of let's change spots. I've or at got least this for Using different, different yeah. muscle groups. That was kind of a little bit of an improv thing. <laughs> or, like, yeah, I guess that was creative. But I don't know. I don't know if improvisation in life-threatening situations are... These moments. There's a group of applied improvisers who are working with folks in like first parts responder of the world. disaster. Yeah, who are preparing for climate change disaster relief. Yeah. Right. So it's like this community is susceptible to flooding. So they work with the community to develop improv skills so that when the big storm comes and they're flooded, they're prepared to work together to handle it in ways that they don't know how they're going to need to prepare. You know, need to work. Together. That's interesting. Yeah. The, you, I, I think improvisation is so apparent in t- in the aftermath of disasters. Mm-hmm. People people come together, people, fig- they figure it out. They may, you know, people open up their homes. They figure out what the needs are. That you know, in in the absence of a government, yes, response being like. Great, we've set up tents. Here are your resources. Here's your food. Here's what you do. It's like individuals just, yes. they just do it. And that's all improvisation. It's like, well, I think I see a need and I'm going to go fill it. I don't know exactly how this is going to work or how we'll work together, but I've just got to start. Yeah. Because this, because there's no other option. Right. Well, the other, I think the other thing that, the other thing 
this is a guess because I've never been in this situation, but I think that there can be, when really bad things are happening, there can be a, this can't be happening, this can't be happening, sort of like an in-the-moment resistance to... To denial, yeah. ...what is happening. Right. So you're hanging on to, no, 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 this was not one of the options for how this goes. Right. This can't be, this can't be it, and as long as you're sitting in this can't be it, you're out of what is. And, and that feels very improv Right, in some ways you're let you 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 you're in the way to that allow we, it is improv, not the yeah denial. no the the recognizing the 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 getting out of this can't be happening right and recognizing well this this is happening it's mm-hmm. not the story I thought I was going to be in it is the story that's happening mm-hmm. well it looks like this is happening yeah okay great so now <laughs> you yes. know like so I mean it's it is the it is that that mix of improv and mindfulness which is you see what is there and you accept it, right. number one, which can be so hard when something's so far out of your desired outcome or path or whatever. Right. I was recently talking to somebody. I was recently talking. I talk about it as fighting reality, like because when there's something that I really want to do and I can't or I wanted to go a certain way and it isn't, I spend some time fighting reality. Yep. I spend some time pretending that maybe mm-hmm. I can find a way to make reality be different. But I know that there's not. Right. And so I'm getting better at naming that. Oh, I'm fighting reality right now, but here's the truth. Right. But and maybe reality you, maybe, is this thing. Maybe you still want to fight for a couple more minutes. and Like sometimes it feels good right. to, to pretend that I could yeah. maybe find a way. But, you right. know, but but it's I'm getting better. But, but truly that place is agony. Yeah. Sitting there wishing things were different than they were. Right. Fighting, fighting the reality of how things are. And so, and so getting over that is is vital. I recently it's, it's was, a key first step. You yeah. have to you just have to do it if you're going to move forward. And and this is not the comfortable space. Right. It's not comfortable here right. pretending that things could be different than they are. They're yeah. not. Yeah. Um could they ever be? Sure. They are not right now. Right. So, we need to handle handle right now. Yeah. Um I had a a friend who was talking about a breakup that she went through mm. where the guy just packed his stuff and left. Ouch. Like they had just moved in together. Oh. Packed his stuff and left, and she said, "I spent about two weeks just in the he can't do that uh-huh. <laughs> place. That's not part of the playbook. You can't do that. You can't just do that, yeah. you know." And then it was like, "And he did." So, right. <laughs> so he's defying the laws of physics, but so, it appears to have happened. It, it, it appears to have happened. So, yeah. what do we do now? Yeah, and and that's also co- sort of. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about this, but there's something on the flip side of that. Don't forget your question. I'm aware that I'm in, oh, a, I've got, yeah. I'm in a big tangent. But in, in, on the flip side of that, moments when I tell myself, I can't do that. Right. It's like, well, oh, that's you, interesting. you always could. Right. I can't cancel that. I can't bail on that. I can't pull out of that. I can't, you know. Right. Well, you could. Yeah, it's a possibility. It's, it's an option. You could do. You could do. It might piss people off. It might not yep. be what you want to do. But, like, let's not forget... It's available. You totally can yeah. do it. Right. You can do the things, yeah. Right, cut ourselves off from the options before we even get there. Yeah, sometimes yeah. drastic things are necessary. So it's like, no, you you could like let's let's weigh all of the yeah. options here. Put them all in play. You could sell all your stuff and move to Honduras. To Honduras, you could you you could you could quit your job. You yeah. could uh, you could do all sorts of things. Right. <laughs> Which is nice. It's nice to remember because sometimes it's like, oh oh, that's. Actually, what sure. I'm going to do. Like, you have to entertain all of the options so that you... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not moving a refrigerator again. Great. Yeah. Don't, don't do it. 
you can't do that. You, when you were talking about the communities responding to natural disasters uh, or you know emergency situations, I was reminded of a show that I just saw in San Francisco last week hmm. called Come From Away. Are you familiar with this? Oh, yes. I want to see it so you badly. Haven't it. I haven't seen it. Yeah, but it's a musical, a Broadway musical. It won tons of awards and is a, the story of this town in Canada that received like 300 planes worth of people right. on 9-11 when yeah. they shut down they the airspace. They were all diverted and nobody could fly. And yeah. It was a town of 9,000 people who took in 7,000 people. In like Nova Scotia or something, right? Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Yeah. And they had to get super resourceful and they put people in the school and it ended up that like almost everybody in the town took people into their homes. Sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? It does. It's like a, a camp, but also super stressful because people couldn't contact they didn't have enough homes phones and so they couldn't contact their people and they didn't know if their loved ones were still alive and like or, was there enough food for these extra yeah and thousands they, of people they put together they put together meals and so it's like it's a pretty cool story and and Good music very creative choreography the music's wonderful um oh, and there was a talk back afterwards a Q&A session and they had the one of the ministers of Canadian an envoy to in San Francisco and they had a, somebody from Air Canada and they had one of the guys who was in the story. Oh my gosh. The, do they know, do that at every show? No, no. This oh, was special. just happened to be, it was on my birthday night too, so it's kind of cool. Happy birthday, Ted de Maison, by Thank the way. You. Thank you. Yeah. Listeners, you can email your birthday wishes <laughs> to info at monsterbabypodcast.com or ted at monsterbabypodcast.com. Right, yeah. If you want to organize a secret party, you can write Lisa at monsterbabypodcast.com. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yeah, it was a really cool evening and event. And I found, like, people absolutely loved it. Like, the crowd stood. I thought it was very good. I didn't think it was absolutely incredible. But it felt like the mood around being able to go to a time of national crisis when we bonded together. Yes. Rather than... Splintering. Yelled at each other and yeah. splintering was so nostalgic and yeah. was like meaningful to people that they like over liked reacted to that. Yeah, the show, the show was great, but it wasn't. But they attributed some of their good feelings to the show when actually it was to this idea of that's my sense of it. Yeah, so of like, oh my god, isn't it amazing? People can come together. Yeah, but yeah. that 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 notion of there's so much in the show, uh, uh, in the story of the townspeople getting creative. Like, how are we going to deal with this? I don't know. Let's put them here. I've got a tool shed. Let's get the blankets from here. Let's yeah. get the, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's go down to Tim Hortons and get the extra donuts. Like, yeah. Everybody's pitching in. So I, I love that notion of, okay, times of need, we come together. And uh, and know, we still, we, we would. I think that we, I think we would for the most part. We would. I, I think we would. Like when it comes down to it, when it comes down to like a crisis like that. Yeah. I mean, you could argue we are in a crisis of many kinds right now. There's all sorts of, I mean, and, you know, there are some of the places that are war-torn where they're fighting over resources and it, it does go the other way. Yeah. Right. But oftentimes the times of emergency are times where we, we do get creative and compassionate and yeah. our best selves come out. And in those places that you're talking about, war-torn places where they are fighting for resources, there is also this stuff That's going right. on. Yeah. And you, you've talked about, not this notion of being in a war-torn place, but improvisation being a practice that tends to bring out our best human selves. Yeah. Like, th that we, we take become care of more, each other. more we generous, yeah. more playful, um, more observant, bolder. Yeah, ideally. 
Yeah. Yeah. When you're, when you're doing it well. So <laughs> it's, there is part of me that feels like, you know, I should be doing more to help solve the crises of the world. Right. Mm-hmm. And then there's also times when I think, okay, the stuff that we're teaching, mindfulness and improv are skills that are so directly related to when the big stuff hits the fan and we're, you know, if, if it does in the future and we're like resources are really, uh, stretched and personalities are stretched and national identities are stretched. Like, no, these are the skills that are going to bring us together. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like the emergency prepar- preparedness protocol. Yeah. Like, okay, make sure you've got your bottles of water in the garage. Yeah. Make sure you got your, uh, band-aids and protein bars sto- stocked away and get your mindfulness and improv skills yeah. up to par. Because you're going to need them. Because you're going to need you're gonna them. You're going to need to be agile and playful and attentive. Yeah, they're going to help you. They're going to help everybody. Yeah. So, you know, it's a community project. Yeah. Community service project. Take That's an improv nice. class as a community service project. Yeah. It's a little bit macabre to think of it that way, but maybe also realistic. I don't know. People do emergency training all the time, neighborhood emergency sure. response training. It's like learn how to grow a garden. Learn how to hunt squirrels and take an improv class. <laughs> Learn how to, you know, I'm going to go for raccoons or skunks if it comes down to it. They're just bigger and fattier, right? Are you, you going to want to eat a skunk? I don't know. Can I remove their 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 sack of... Uh, their glands? Yeah, whatever that, like, is it... I mean, does their meat smell bad? I don't know. I wouldn't they may be released on, upon dying, but you can take them from the... So I mean, awful. when it comes down to it. Okay, I mean, if we're but, really, but, but we're not an owl. Like an owl doesn't have a sense of smell, or it's got a terrible sense of smell. Listen, if we're starving, Ted, if we're out in the where the things are bad, uh, and a skunk crosses your path, what are you gonna do? <sighs> Kill that skunk. Try to do hold it your very, nose. Yeah. Okay, so there are. <laughs> I've thought about this a lot because I used to teach environmental education. There's like there's a level of and mindfulness practice can help with this kind of noxious experience of like, oh my God, this is a bad smell. Yeah. If I just notice the bad smell, yeah. it doesn't have so much control over yeah. me. Right? I don't I have to like... I can accept that it's bad. I'm if not... I tighten up around it, it's going to make it worse. Right? Yeah. But there, have, I don't know if you've ever been around a skunk like close up, but it's like no amount of mindfulness <laughs> is going to get you past the fact that this thing is designed to repel you yeah. and make you vomit. And it is well designed. It's well designed. It does and so its job. I'm not sure yeah. that no matter how hungry I was that I could get past the Fair vomitous effects of the noxious smell of the Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. I'll choose the skunk over the squirrel. I mean the squirrel over the squunk. Squunk. <laughs> Squonk. <laughs> squonk. A, I've never heard that word before, and I no. like it. Yeah. It's a squonk. Squonk. Um, okay, but I, I'm with you. Raccoon over squirrel. Little Raccoon me- over little squirrel. Me- little meteor. It just, it's going to go farther. And for the vegans in the house, I love animals, and I don't want to eat them. It just, we're just talking about the end times. If we're at the apocalypse. It's the end times. We make exceptions. <laughs> we make exceptions. Yeah. We've got our mindfulness. We've got our improv. Yeah. We've got our raccoon uh, I'm imagining all, all we've already ransacked all the Whole Foods. Oh my gosh, yeah, that happened in the first day or two. Exactly. So the vegans, uh, we got the, we tried. We got the avocado oil. We got the avocado, we got the olive oil spread, we got the, we did all of the, we got all the soy creamer out. (laughs) And now it's time to eat some motherfucking raccoons. (laughs) You do what you gotta do. Some MFN raccoon. You know, and if you 
want to go get Bill and Joe's gourmet barbecue chipotle sauce. Well, more power to you. know, <laughs> put that on the on shelf. That That's, put it it's on the still not going to be strong enough to make Ted eat any squunk. <laughs> He's not going to do it. All right, I, I think we got to land this plane. We've been talking about. Yeah, speaking of, uh, there's some turbulence. <laughs> this is this is a short episode, but I think it's fine. Um, I think so too. Yeah, there's no reason to extend it. But, but that apparently is what we're doing. <laughs> no, we do. We do have to land this plane, yeah. if only because we're losing power. Yeah. Like my forearms. Um, but thank you for listening to that story. I, yeah. I, I, Oof. I waited several days to tell you because I thought our I listeners know. might you like it. I had mentioned it to me and you said, no, I'm going to tell this on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so uh, these these little moments happen in life and like they bring other things into relief. So I thought it was... I thought it'd be fun to share, and yeah. and actually, it's funny. We're talking about stating feelings and having them have a little less power. I feel less vulnerable now, mm. having said this out loud awesome. and shared it with you. So awesome! Nice to thanks nice for to telling it. Thanks for telling the story. Thank you for listening. You're welcome. Okay. Well, so next time we'll have another story. Mm-hmm. Okay. There we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for listening. We so appreciate it. Nice to have you with us. Yeah. Uh, in the time that we did the podcast, the sun has gone below the horizon of our buildings. We're still in the redwoods, but... It's twilight. It's decidedly twilight. Dusk is coming. Yeah. And so, you know, some chilly winds will descend upon us, but not so chilly as those happening in the in the Midwest part of our great nation Negative right now. Negative 60 degrees with wind chill. Yeah. In, in Minneapolis and Iowa. Give me a break. Yes. I just left Minneapolis. I was in Minneapolis last I'm, weekend. I'm glad you got home because they're not leaving. Flights are not leaving now. But those of you who are in the Midwest, thoughts are with you and, you know. Yeah, bundle up. Stay warm. Hibernate. Hang out with each other. Get under the covers with each other. Cuddle up. Make a hot toddy. Get the get the cats, get the dogs, everybody, everybody under the blankets. Uh, <laughs> thank you for listening. If you would like to respond, uh, again. Info. At monsterbabypodcast.com. Send us a note. We'd yeah. love to hear from you. If you want to send Ted a happy birthday message, you can do that too. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and if you live in the Bay Area and you're interested in having a playful mindfulness experience, check out playfulmindfulness.info. You can see classes listed there that I'm going to be teaching in the spring in uh, in Woodside, sort of mid-peninsula. So come on along and... Uh, Two six-week classes. We'll dive into all the stuff that Lisa and I talk about all the time. And, awesome. Yeah. Develop the mindfulness skills so that you're ready for the emergency. Yeah. So you're uh, ready for the end times. For the apocalypse. Yeah. All yeah. right. Great. Deal with squunks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, all right. Uh, Let's until, let these people go. Yeah. Until the next time, we love you. Be well. Peace. Peace.